Take a breather, relax, don't worry about the fact that we just ranked every Beatles album ever in order. Uh, and it was an amazing time. And I'm joined here in the studio by the people that did that. It's me, Evan Soddy. It's Taron O'Reilly. It's Bill Mayeroff. It's Bobby Evers. Hi, Hi guys. Hi, guys. I know. It's so good. Uh, before we jump into the thing we usually start off with every Happy Hour Minisode, in which we talk about what is the worst Beatles song, uh, we were talking about how, uh, as soon as we were done with that part two podcast where we had a list in front of us of every album ranked, and we were just like, oh my god, we fucking did it. It was more of the fact that like everyone talked about how their personal ranking was drastically different from what we did. This is what we came together as consensus, and I appreciate all my guests for being as cool as they were and being like, we're going to get consensus one way or another. But the thing is that we were talking about, and Bill, I kind of wanted to expand upon a little bit, the idea that for the Beatles, like Jesus, is personal for everyone. You know, they have a different relationship yeah. with the Beatles. And like, in a weirdly personal ways, more than most other groups. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, I know when I first got, you know, when I first got invited to do this, this podcast and, and, one of the things I was I was concerned about, and and I think others were as well, was that there would be way too much butting of heads and just you know people being very stubborn about about where their particular album should go, and we didn't have that, which is awesome, and I think the reason we we didn't have that butting of heads um, is because from the start we acknowledged exactly what you said, and that is that the Beatles are so personal for everybody. You know, mm-hmm. we all have the way that we got introduced to the it Beatles. got Bobby through heartbreak. You know, got Bobby through heartbreak. I remember being introduced to the Beatles sitting on the basement floor in my parents' house, and, like, it was the... F- my dad brought home the Beatles live at the BBC. Oh, wow. Okay? And that was my... I was 10 years old, and that was my first experience with the Beatles. He, he was like, come downstairs... We're listening to this, and we listened to both discs end to end, and that was how I got into the Beatles. You know, everyone's list is going to be different, and so to do such a monumental thing that we did, which unreal. Yeah, by this the way, could be NPR. I, I, I can't believe we did it. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know about that. Yeah, was, so, and we all remember my first experience with the Beatles, right? When I heard uh, "Free as a Bird" for the first time, that was just <laughs> oh, I can't. I'm like, who is this band? Are they still alive? I don't even know yeah. anymore. And so. You know, it's, it's so it's so personal for everybody, and that but that's a very cool thing. Yeah. And you know, I'm I can't wait to see like what people say on Facebook or in the comments when we when it's released on SoundCloud and all that. Like I want to see, suck. I, I want I want the hate. I want the I want to be able to have that discussion. I mean, like, I'm kind of I'm kind thing. of a Quarrymen originalist personally. I kind of <laughs> like that. That was when they were at their peak. Also, that's the basis for Malcolm Gladwell's book where he talks I'm, about if you do 10,000 hours of anything, you eventually become an expert at it. Mm-hmm. And he pointed to the Beatles, their intense rehearsal and touring and performing schedule, how they did 10,000 hours of that before right. they became and what they were. I mean, well, and they, in their live shows in Germany, in Hamburg, they had, I mean, the reason they had so many covers to just, like, throw out on albums is because they had, like, a three-hour set that they could pull from of all covers songs Mm -hmm. and then obviously they started writing their own from there but like they they had such a huge basis already of all kinds of different styles that then it was easy for them to just fall into creating their own versions of this now that being said i do want to get back to the thing that everybody who's listening to this is thinking guys what's the worst beatles song 
Bobby just got a very concerned look on his face right now. I I don't know if I have one offhand. There's well, some I, songs I, I, that I, are I, super silly and just like throw away. Um, Cause like I, I mean, it's hard. I, I want to discount the covers because clearly right. there's, you know, like that's not necessarily the same thing. I feel like Wild Honey Pie is one of those where it's just like, the fuck is this? Like, what are you doing? Well, I think literally it was like that was just the kind of thing that Paul would like sing into a mic between takes while ah. he was just like fucking around, and they were like, well, if we're gonna make a thirty-one song album, we should include one of those, and so they found. They found, like, just one that he had done and then dubbed some more vocals over it and hmm. threw it on the album. So, like, literally, it that. is a throwaway song. Yeah. He improv it. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 here's my hot take. You know what song annoys the fuck out of me? I Need You. What? I just because that I don't know why that weird guitar part that the re- the reverse guitar yeah which sounds like which sounds yeah. like so half-assed and so amateur hour and it just like every time I listen to the song which is a finely structured song it just feels like this kind of wimpy like little like just kind of coming in at the side and it just bugs the fuck out of me what every single how time. does that one go. I need you. And that's no, the best. You don't realize <laughs> how much I need you. <laughs> <laughs> what album is that? Uh, uh, help. Was it, wasn't that a, or was it Help? No. Yeah, it's uh, Help. Yeah, it's it help. help. Yeah, it's a Harrison. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Oh, I just hate it. Fucks um, me. I don't know why. It's just like it just sounds so wimpy. And they don't, oh, they're not a wimpy band. Then I guess mine would be Yellow Submarine just because, like, it's dumb. And also, like, the sound effects on it are so grating to me. Sure. Yeah. And all of the like the bubbles yeah. and like the, like, the like, waves. Yeah. I'm, it's just like very obnoxious. And, and yet like, weirdly abrasive. when you hear the bird sounds on uh, Blackbird, that feels weirdly appropriate for yeah. some reason. I love you know? that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um I forget what what it was called and it's so my answer to this is gonna be sucky, but it's uh, I forget which album it's on. There's one where and I had never heard it before with good reason, but they, the the melody at the opening phrase of the verse is like, the intervals are really odd and it's like it it almost sounds out of key. There's a couple there's a couple songs on, these the like first four albums, um, even ones that aren't covers that where, they really should have done more takes, <laughs> like <laughs> like, yeah. you know Paul and. Paul and uh, John are both singing in unison, but one of them is like really flat, you know? Like that that happens a couple times early on where it's like they never would have allowed that to be released on like Revolver. Also, just as a qualifier, I'm just I'm saying that no one is allowed to pick Revolution Number no. Nine as the worst song. That's, no, that that's a that's a cheapskate move. <laughs> that's a cheapskate. Bill, what do you have? Okay, I'm gonna say it. Yesterday. Uh, the, the anger that just permeated. <laughs> yeah. Why? No, because, is it because it was overplayed, or like? Because I, I, I think it's overplayed. I think it's overplayed. I think it is really nothing more than Paul McCartney masturbating into a microphone. That's all. That's all. That's it such is. a weirdly specific opinion. To I think it is. I think that's I, I think John Lennon so, too, though. I think yeah. it's so yeah. self-indulgent. I think it's boring. It's pretty boring. It's yeah. boring. But it really, like, when Paul McCartney was writing that song, this is, again, going to get weirdly specific here, but I imagine when Paul McCartney was writing this song, he was like, 
looking at himself in a mirror and masturbating. Wow. <laughs> uh, I like I like the song and I like the story behind the song. That said, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I also think, I mean, that's that's one of the like the epitome of what John and George used to call um, Paul's granny shit. <laughs> like we need this stuff on here so we'll sell records. I mean, it's it's why Adele is so popular is because anyone can like their her music it's so universally universally middle of the road it doesn't really take a lot of risks and that's what paul paul had a couple of those songs on every single album there are a couple of songs where paul was just like i'm just gonna throw a little ditty down oh thanks paul thanks for that yeah Uh, although you did point out how um uh john lynette has said some notably controversial things about the band in the past yeah i mean i I mean, he's reading, an asshole. We know this. Yeah, this isn't like, he's a yeah. huge asshole. But even reading about, like, you know, during 1967 and onwards, just reading about the shit that he would say about his, you know, fellow band members' music, like, anything that Paul or George put forward, he was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, he didn't like any of it, and he, like, gave them a lot of crap for their they're really boring lyrics he was saying like this is what our band used to be we're trying to evolve why aren't you giving me anything more to work with and i i mean he's utterly wrong about that in a lot of cases yeah. sometimes or he's right but even you know when he, he said that Ringo... he, he's recorded some shit too yeah. you know yeah. oh yeah so, no he, he definitely did. has i heard his wrong. well even when you mentioned that yeah. quote about him saying that ringo wasn't even the best drummer in the beatles right <laughs> yeah but here's the question is he ringo said that a good in drummer um uh no. <laughs> I thank you. Yeah. Because yeah. here's no, the thing, a lot I, I, of people are just like, it always comes up, but no, he's really good. No, I, no. He's fine. He's fine. I he think actually he, yeah. when when the rest of them started experimenting, he did lay down a couple really out there fills and fills and, and rhythm tracks. I mean, I think there are definitely some things that he did, like for example, on the White Album that were really innovative and and again like that specific style of drumming paired with that guitar noise is like a sound that certain bands do entire albums of but but i think that a lot of that he was being pushed towards that by his bandmates also what's that track where suddenly and out of nowhere he screams i got blisters on my fingers the end of helter skelter isn't it yeah 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 hot not bad you guys not I bad blisters on my fingers Oh, I love how that song inspired mass murder. Uh, so, so good. Uh, that being said, uh, just, I mean, for those out there, best Beatles solo career. Uh, I'm going to say Paul McCartney because it's still going yeah. and charting. Best, though? No. Best? No. Yes, best, because the, the I don't know. Like, Okay, I feel like the Beatles are better when they collaborate, when they're solo. Their stuff is super mediocre. Like, George didn't have a great solo career. Mm-hmm. Uh, John didn't have a great solo career. Like, I mean, like, I think he was he doing was all right. Shot, he so was shot. He was shot. Like, so Paul's was better because it lasted longer. <laughs> really, murder kind of hinders your career. At it the end certainly of the day. does. Yeah. Like, didn't, well, didn't Paul become a nostalgia act, though? Like,. I feel like I feel like that's what he's devolved into now. But well, that's fine. Sure, but I'd say that's also, still more successful I mean, than like, John's. Throughout the seventies and eighties, he was still pumping out like, you know, great pop songs. Were they quite as interesting as the things that he did with the Beatles? No. I would say but, yeah. But it, they were still they were still 
um, again, he wasn't really innovating anymore, but they were still important for setting the tone of the time. He was still absolutely yeah. color, culturally relevant, much more so than I think John Lennon was. John Lennon still had a cult of fame around him. Yeah, he went a little but, reclusive a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's and... not forget, his first solo album is literally a photo of him and Yoko Ono naked, them engaging in primal scream therapy over the course of a double-sided vinyl. You can vinyl. see his scrotum on that album cover. <laughs> yes, you can. And listen, we, when we did the Fleetwood Mac podcast, we talked about how there's balls right there on the cover of, uh, of, rumors. of Rumors. But these are actual balls. balls. <laughs> this is on real Scrotum folds. You can count them if you want. Like, it's that bad. But, I mean, the thing is, at the same time, they talk about, like, I got Paul McCartney's first little album called Simply McCartney that he's just like. It's great. No. It's a. Okay, I, I am a huge proponent of, like, solitary private bedroom pop albums yes, that you record yes, in your home studios. 100%. And that is what that was to me. I really like. Well, because it's like nice. scraps I really and like experiments. Yeah. And then, and then out of nowhere, he then because he played every instrument himself. He only did that a couple other times in his career. And then he's just like, I'm gonna do the song called Maybe I'm a Mace, and he plays everything on it, and it's this epic fucking pop. But the album he did after that, Ram, it would technically credit to Paul and Linda McCartney. Someone reviewer pointed out like it's the basis for what indie pop became for every year afterwards. And it's one of the things where at first I'm like, there's no way. But I listen to him like. This is a fucking great album, though. Like, actually, legitimately. Like, it's up there in ter- almost with uh, John Lennon's Imagine in terms of solo Beatles projects. Because Imagine is still a great-ass, solid, also, dark album. There's also the first of many or several diss tracks. Yes. Uh, it's either, like, the, the first diss track or the response to John's diss track called How Do You Sleep. Yes. Where he... Off of Imagine. And, like, in the, in, the, in the Imagine documentary, he calls Paul a cunt... He's like, how do you sleep, you cunt? And then, and then Ringo's like, Paul, John, that's enough. <laughs> that's 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 that sounds about right. That's pretty good. Uh, Beatles stories, thoughts, ideas. You had the story about. Uh, well, here's the other question. I just because you and I talked about this, but I just want to get the other guys' opinions first. Who broke up the Beatles? I would say the Beatles broke up the Beatles. Yeah. I would say age broke up the Beatles. Uh, yeah. I would say specifically John Lennon, but but. I don't think that he would have behaved the same way if he had never met Yoko Ono. I think well, he would have Yoko behaved the same way if he hadn't started doing heroin. Okay, <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, what would the Beatles have become? Heroin and Yoko Ono brought out the worst in John Lennon. He was right. always going to be an egomaniac. But and she just have, supported everything he have, said. But to have a woman in his life that, that fueled that flame and told him that he was absolutely correct, he was the best songwriter that, that ever lived, like, I think that, that that pushed him to the place where he thought that he could go on record publicly while they were still a band and talk about how shitty his bandmate songs were. I would have left that band too. He was a huge asshole. If I was Paul McCartney, you know, listening to some of the things that John Lennon said about Paul in in these late stages, I would not have wanted to stay in a band with him either. And so, while yes, it was sort of, they all did it together, I mean, I think Ringo left the band, I want to say, like, during the well, White yeah, Album. Yeah, he, and he actually left, left, left a couple weeks. Right, right, right. And, yeah. then, they and then George quit. Left. Different points. George yeah. quit while they were recording, right. um, I want to say while they were the... recording, yeah, while they were yeah. recording Let It Be for like a week. 
you know, it, like, the band was going down the tubes for a while. Yeah. Um, they, they just weren't happy to be in each other's faces all the time. I think that if they had done what the Rolling Stones did, like, just live on opposite sides of the planet and then only put out stuff, like, every four years, like, they probably would still be around. Yeah, potentially. But, but that's the they, other thing. Maybe. No. no. See, that's the thing. So, so there's this Beatles tribute band. Um, they're called American English, and they do, and they do, you know, they do the whole act, you know, the yeah. costumes and the vintage instruments and, and everything. And years and years and years ago, they did. They actually recorded an album at Abbey Road Studios in London. They called Jesus. it. They called it the 1971 What If album. And <laughs> the concept of it, and I think I think it was a mistaken concept. The concept of it is. What if the Beatles hadn't broken up when they did, and they made one more album in 1971? And on this, you know, on this on this concept album were songs like um, "Maybe I'm Amazed," um, "It Don't Come Easy." Imagine. Um, no, Imagine was not on there. I think that was later, like in 1980 yeah. or something. Yeah, right. something like that. Um, what else? What else Give was on there? Chance. Uncle Al- Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey was on. So all these songs that the Beatles recorded in 1971. You know, the, the so Beatles yeah, as solo artists recorded in 1971, and the idea was this is what that album would sound like had the Beatles recorded one more album. But I don't think that's true. I don't know. They would never agree. have recorded right. any of those songs with the band. With the band, yeah, they could only have been solo solo albums. And so I think you know what you know. Going back to the question of like who broke up the Beatles or what broke up the Beatles, I think by that point, they were just headed in so many separate directions that it was just bound to happen. I think they all, I think they all wanted different things. Ringo wanted to, you know, write his, you know, happy country songs. And conduct trains. And conduct trains. Um, <laughs> I, mean, I think Paul wanted to write, you know, goofy love songs with, and, and give his wife Linda a job. Um, yeah, also, but also, so, and speaking of, there is that, what is that, Monkberry Pie, there's that one song Monkberry about the Moon grab. Yeah, thank you, yeah. which is, uh... What a... Yep, what a nasty-ass yeah, song, exactly. Like oh, Paul McCartney eats pussy, guys, just so right, you know, like, this is yeah, the thing that happens. It's like, that wow, mind. okay. Put that in your mind, babe. I think it's sort of like they were in college and having this great college experience, and they were in college for like 10 years, mm-hmm. and they just yeah. wanted to They put out 13 albums jobs. within the course of seven years. That right. is yeah. fucking that's insane. Well and, that, well, and that's only, you say, 13 well, albums in seven years. That's only how we're counting it. Yes. Right. Okay. But yeah. I, feel, I, I feel like that was also... You know, I, this gives some credence to the the Beatles broke up the Beatles right. theory, but I think that also you could say their record labels broke up the Beatles. If yeah. there, had a hand in it. If yeah. there had not been the pressure to put out two fucking albums every goddamn year, yeah. and even when their uh, next album wasn't ready, the record label was like, single, give yeah. us a single, which is why Strawberry Fields Forever and Penny Lane was not included on Sgt. Pepper. Some consider that the greatest double was, A side ever released. It was released yeah. as the double A side because the record label was like, we need a single, and then it didn't sell quite as well as they were expecting it to. It like didn't go to number one everywhere. So, so their label was yeah. like, oh, well, you can't put this on Sgt. Pepper's then. Yeah. So here's another thing. Uh, around the time of Let It Be, um, they had a new manager named Alan Klein. Right, because the previous manager killed himself he died he may have killed himself it was like barbiturates or something but like he that guy was exploiting the fuck out of them yes so like what would have happened if brian epstein had lived and had been you know managing their best putting out these fires in a professional manner yeah like yeah might they might he have done a little more greasing of the wheels to like keep spirits higher or something like that like because they did a united front against paul who wanted to basically keep it the way it was going or something like that uh-huh. and like 
Oh, there, well, part of the reason is that Paul wanted his, because he just got married to Linda. Yeah. And he wanted to get her dad, who was a lawyer, to manage the band. Yeah. And the rest of them like, we're going to get an actual fucking lawyer, not your not your wife's dad. Sorry. No, right. we're not doing that. So that was part of the reason, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but also, the, other, the interesting point, uh, this is sort of related, but it's Linda started showing up at a lot of the sessions, too. Mm-hmm. Like, after Yoko was at every single session for the last two years of the band, which still makes no goddamn sense to me. The all three um, of she's an amazing songwriter all three walking of, on yeah! ice. So like, <laughs> yeah! But all three of the rest of them started bringing their wives to the sessions too. So suddenly instead of four people with creative opinions, you had, or I mean, including George Martin, you, there were five people with creative opinions. Now there were nine. Yeah. And that's, too many cooks in the kitchen, like, is Too going to fall cooks. apart. Yeah. Get we, out of my head, by can the way. We, can, we talk, can we talk about briefly uh, Layla and other love songs? Yes. Oh, man. Yes, can please. we talk about that? Because that story, the story <laughs> behind all of that still blows my fucking mind. There's so much mm-hmm. passive aggression and yeah. non-confrontation right. and... Cause, like, backstabbing. Right, because basically, long story short, Eric Clapton's like... Meets uh, Linda Harris? Patty Harris. Patty, Patty, thank Patty you, Patty boy. Harris. Yeah, Patty Boy. Yeah, and, and it's just like I fucking love you. I, I love, love you so. And listen, I, and George Harrison's my buddy, but I love you so much. You're and I'm gonna record a whole album of songs about how much I fucking love you. And then eventually it gets to the point where like George Harrison's not an idiot. He's like, just take her. Yeah, because they he was probably cheating on her as well, and yeah. like they weren't in a great relationship. And he's like, "Oh, you can just take a mate. That's fine." And then and then and then he does, and they get married, and it doesn't last like what four years right, or something. He's like a fucking heroin addict. And yeah, shitty to women, and then she <laughs> is alone for years <laughs> because she didn't have a career. Like she had a modeling career, but she never like went to school and like learned a trade so the only thing she has is to be like a musician's wife and she's just like what the fuck do i do now and like i don't i don't know it's in her autobiography which is great but like oh my god that must be like a harrowing read in some certain certain sections it's pretty good it's like he's a guitar god but he's just thinking about me all the time yeah i want to move my fingers up your body like this woman had the song something written about her and layla like that's fucking crazy (laughs) what if you were that what if you inspired those songs that's crazy bobby i think there's a great breakup album waiting inside of you you're like a male adele you're like madel i'm like no (laughs) (laughs) just just go ahead and put it out there her name's wait or Susan, <laughs> or someone. I think that's a great. You should work on that. It'd be a good idea. Bill, what's your favorite Beatles story? My favorite Beatles. Side note: One quick thing I want to point out. What's <laughs> <laughs> here? I want. I just want to point out. Uh, it was completely incidental and random, and it's just a weird fact. Uh, we rec- we recorded this podcast. We had the state plan out in advance, not even thinking about jack shit oh, or yeah. anything. And it had. We recorded this podcast one day after the. 50th anniversary of Revolver. Which is our number three. Coming out. <laughs> the, one, the 50th anniversary of number three ranked album Revolver. But uh, I, I did my Beatles tribute night like two days after the 50th anniversary of Revolver, which was interesting. Wait. No. 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 That would put it in the future. Rubber Soul. <laughs> Tomorrow night, Bobby is also going to Beatles Listen, tribute. Listen, I'm drunk. Okay. He's what? not actually, but it's no. fine. Uh, yeah, Bill, you were saying your favorite Beatles story. And side note, there's also, we also record this right <laughs> <laughs> Did you do that twice in a row on purpose? 
<laughs> you know what? I'm gonna go somewhere where I'm appreciated. Damn it! You're gonna do a solo. Album. I'm gonna do a solo podcast. Listen, Bill. Yuki and I agree. I am the best podcaster here. I am leaving this entire establishment. Uh, there's actually a documentary about their touring days coming out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Howard. Howard. Yeah. I'm really. I'm, I'm not sure how that. I'm not. I mean, it's be great. it could be really. It could be really interesting. It's gonna be great. Um, it could. I mean. I like any of the, as far as favorite Beatles stories, like, I like any of those kind of early Beatles stories about them just running from, you know, running from fans and just having no idea kind of what they were, you know, what they had gotten themselves into. And, like, you know, we, you know, when you think about, like, the opening sequence of A Hard Day's Night, which is one of my favorite sequences in film, and Hard Day's Night is one of my favorite movies, it's by far the best Beatles movie, and... Mm -hmm. I just and but that opening scene, you know, where they're running and you know they get on the train and all that. I mean, that was. I mean, it was exaggerated for the movie, but but not by much. Not by much. And to think that that's what they lived with, yeah, all the time. Like that's nuts. That's Bill. why they stopped touring. That's why they Bill. stopped touring. Bill, what that do was you think of the movie? What do you think of the movie Spice World? Um, <laughs> it's the hard day's night. But for the Spice Girls. Yes. Meatloaf is the driver of the bus. It makes perfect sense. So here's another thing. <laughs> all right, all right. You're, like, banished from this podcast. Like, I'm, I'm officially banished. You go with You're Linda done. and you record an album. Yeah. Like, uh, record yeah. a terrible album. Yeah, the other, the other thing I want to point out is that we talked about how without the Beatles, I think it's... It, we, we take the Beatles for granted, really. Without them, we wouldn't have the Monkees. We wouldn't have... More importantly, and legit, we wouldn't have Badfinger. Uh, which is uh, actually a fantastic group. Uh, and But most importantly out of all, if we didn't have the Beatles, guys, you realize we wouldn't have the Grey album, right? That's not a thing that we would have. And that album is so fucking good! Yes, it is. I want yes, to point it out. It is. Uh, well, I, I, think I, I think I told you that, that the Grey album version of 99 Problems is far superior to the original. Right, and well, the thing is that when you talk about and 2004, during the mashup craze, yeah. when this happened, I mean, this album set off a lot of things, and what other people did, like, I'm gonna mix JC's Black album with Weezer's Blue album, and I'm gonna get the Purple album. Like, people did the that. the Black and Blue album. Right, it? or I think they called it Purple album. I'm oh, just like, I fuck it. It didn't care. It sucked anyway. Was it yeah. some notorious B.I.G. thing that someone did? Right, it, something like that. And they, these all came out around the same time. But the thing that Danger Mouse got so right in taking his samples from Nothing But The White Album is that unlike with the Jay-Z songs he mixed it with from the Black Album, he got the tone right. Like, yeah. you mm-hmm. change clothes, this really frilly, dumb, mm-hmm. little, you know, Pharrell-produced song off that album. Right. He finds Piggies as the beat for that and, like, you know, uses perfect. that. It was great, exactly. Then using Helter Skelter for 99 Problems. Yeah. Well, you yeah. know, he didn't use Helter Skelter. He, didn't he use Glass Onion and Savoy Truffle? That's, no, not for 99 not, Problems. Not for 99 Problems, yeah. He definitely used Selfish Yeah, he for used Selfish Problems, for that. yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, then he also used uh, Julia for uh, uh, December 4th, and yeah, yep. this nice little clip beat. Oh, it was so good. Clip beat? This little guy, do 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 I know that he used Savage Truffle. Yeah, he did. I think I was, during the Encore, during Encore. Oh, it's Encore. That was Glass Onion and Savage Truffle. Yeah, because Glass Onion and 99 Problems, that's not as, not as... Not as good, but the thing is, he in an interview talked about how when he, as soon as he had that idea, he was like, "Well, I have to fucking do it now because I had this idea, so someone else had this idea, so I clearly have right. to do it right now." Like it was, and it took him about, about two weeks, and he did it. I'm just like, yeah. as it's so popular that was, and this is a true thing. The next following year, Jay Z actually put out an acapella version of the Black Album right. of just his vocals and nothing right. else. Basically, you can buy the steal CD, it. Yeah. right? You can buy the CD of Jay Z's vocals with no beats. Have fun. 
That's, that's the crazy. I know exactly. That oh, is so. Those are like some big brass balls for doing that <laughs> yeah. because like he's inviting everyone to steal his music. Yeah, I know. And then, but let's not forget Paul McCartney's greatest contribution is clearly four or five seconds featuring Madonna, uh, featuring Kanye West and uh, Rihanna. Rihanna. Yeah. Four five seconds of wilding. Pateran's really upset right now. But also, I guess, like, Kanye collaborated with another song with uh, Paul McCartney called, that was going to be called Pissed on Your Grave, but then he gave it to, like, some other G-O-O-D-signed artist album. Paul yeah. McCartney's still with it, guys. He's still jiggy, as the He's kids still say. jiggy. So nice of Kanye to give these young, breaking artists a, a chance to break <laughs> out. Uh, before we close give out here... Paul a chance. <laughs> before we break out, do you have any, do you have any last good uh, Beatles stories, thoughts? No. You know, if I have I have shared what I know. Aside from uh, Yoko Ono being in a hospital bed in the recording studio. Oh right. Yeah. Yeah no that did happen. Um, I believe she was in a car accident, and this was while they were working on uh, Get Back slash Let It Be. Was she? So she was like on bed rest. So John had a bed installed in the studio so she could continue to oversee recordings. And I was like, are you kidding me? Hmm. Are you kidding me? Like, the the control that she had over him is just mm-hmm. insane. Well, they made such great music together. No. No, they did not. <laughs> All right. Well, that being said, Bobby, last thoughts, ideas? Uh, I do have an anecdote. Okay. Uh, it is related to how I got into the Beatles. Um, we had the records growing up we had Yellow Submarine and I knew what I Want to Hold Your Hand was Mm -hmm. Uh, but I sort of got into the Beatles through my older sister Katie who was obsessed with the Beatles anthology uh, documentaries that were on TV specifically like part one two three it wasn't the 10 hour thing it was the like PBS version but she loved Paul McCartney and so she would watch it and I would sort of vicariously like enjoy it as like oh Katie loves this thing but she used to uh, make these music videos with a camcorder of Beatles songs where she and my my cousin Susie would lip sync and they would get out these clothes from my parents' closet so that it was, like, psychedelic clothes and, like, lip-syncs to songs. And they made me do, with a little help from my friends, as Ringo in, like, a silky purple paisley shirt. And there is spaghetti sauce on my face. And I am lip-syncing to... Because I ate spaghetti that night. (laughs) And I didn't wash my face, and they didn't tell me. And I'm just, like, like... I'll do it by with a little help from my friends. And so, like, there exists footage of me... Doing that, it's on VHS in a closet That's somewhere. Adorable. But I I was remembering that just now, and I'm like, we should fucking convert that. <laughs> yeah, can we have like show notes or something yeah. where we put that yeah. out. Before we, before we finish up, I actually wanted to ask everybody, what is your favorite cover of a Beatles song? Because I know that we all know hundreds. Rufus so. Wainwrights across the universe. Mm, That's nice. a nice choice. Yeah. This is kind of a random one, but I really like. Obviously, St. Vincent's Dig a Pony is pretty damn great. Yeah, it's fucking great. But it's on YouTube. I really Look like My Brightest Diamond did Everybody's Got Something to Hide Except for Me and My Monkey. Um, a song I don't necessarily love, but I'd be really curious to hear her version. But it's just a delightfully yeah. little, fun, snappy little, snappy little yeah. cover. Yeah. There are so many that I can't even like think of. Off the I Am Sam soundtrack? But... I am reminded of a version of maybe I'm. Oh, that doesn't count though because no, it that's a count. fuck. 
Also, but that being said, I did joke about it, but um, I would say Sarah McLaughlin's Blackbird off of the I Am Sam soundtrack is actually rather oh, understated nice. and actually rather beautiful. There um, was like not a bad version of Don't Let Me Down on that, if I remember correctly. Oh, okay. So, across the universe of the movie, deeply, utterly flawed, you know, not a good film. Bobby's covering himself but in shirt. But the one worthwhile thing in it at this point, I would say, is their version of I Want to Hold Your Hand. I they, don't even remember. They it. really slow it down, yeah. hmm. and and really bring out the bass riff. I mean, it's sung by a woman, and I think it's just, uh, it's it it feels more like a version of the song that could have been included on like the White Album or like Sgt. Pepper's. I remember liking the come together portion of that film. Oh yeah, because didn't Joe Cocker sing it in the movie? Yeah. Maybe. Joe Cocker, like... He's, like... A, he like, was, yeah. they, they showed him, like, dressed as a homeless man and, like, dressed as a pimp, and he sang Come Together in the film. He has the most, like, cred to sing any of those songs. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Which is why I, I think that's why they included him, and they also yeah. definitely did his version of With Little Help From My Friends. Wait, are you oh. saying that Bono's contributions to this uh, movie Fuck soundtrack Bono. are not... Man... Don't even get me started on Bono. <laughs> Bill, what's your favorite cover? My favorite cover. Um, I got. I got to pick two because they're both kind of it's on totally the same, okay. same level. In I my named head. like four. Um, so yeah. Um, one is uh, Yonder Mountain String Band's cover of Andrew Bird Can Sing. It's this very cool bluegrass thing. Yeah. You know, kind of acoustic bluegrass uh, deal cover, but like they recreate the solo pretty. You know, the opening riff pretty perfectly. Yeah. Um, and but it, instead of like you know a guitar solo in the middle, it's like this banjo and mandolin thing. Yeah. It's, it's just it's just awesome. Um, I've only I've only heard it as a as a live version, um, but it's it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. And then um, the other the other my other favorite cover is my kind of second favorite band covering my first favorite band, and that's uh, the old ninety sevens covered uh, "I'll Cry Instead" and. They've only ever done it live. They've never put it on. They've never put it on an album or anything like that. But it puts a cool kind of countryish beat over that song, and it lends itself. That song lends itself very well to that sort of thing. They slow it down a little bit, which is which is nice. They lengthen it a bit. Uh, you know, throwing throwing a nice kind of twangy guitar solo in the middle of it. And you know, Rhett Miller and Murray Hammond have never been shy about. Um, you know, like bands like the Beatles? Yeah, I mean they they've never been shy about <laughs> about wearing their influences on their yeah. sleeve. You know, they've they've covered the Beatles, they've covered REM, they've covered um Yeah. Well they yeah, I mean John they've had they've had him produce their, Sir their stuff. Um Mutang, everything. You know, things like things like that. So it was just yeah. it was it was just a very cool very cool cover and I've been lucky enough to hear it live once. And uh, yeah, it's just it's just fun. That's right. Well, before our guests get back to where they were once belong, I got to be honest, I couldn't get by with this podcast without a little help from my friends. So I just want to <laughs> say, Bobby Evers, you're the Beatles guy, and I'm so glad you were here. Thank you for doing that, sharing your knowledge. Bill Mayeroff, you just fucking, I am so glad you are a welcome addition to the podcast family here at Chart yeah, Talks Sports Incorporated. Indeed, exactly. guys. Yeah. Thank you. It was a pleasure and yeah. an honor. Taryn, as always, as if I need to say anything. 
Thank but you. But you should. I mean, just say something. <laughs> you're good at the thing that you do. Uh, which is, is he doing that? Well, thing no, he, he the thing that he does, as we discussed previously, is putting me in my place when I say dumb shit, which, as we've determined, is frequently and always, and I always appreciate that. It's a hard task to do, okay? But it's like it's like it's like he looks at me and he says, "I'm looking through you," and I'm like, "I get it." Either way, the same. So that being said, guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook. Listen, rank us on the iTunes, etc. Google Play and stuff. <laughs> uh, cuckoo, cuckoo, guys. Thank you so much. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.